What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. See, last season doesn't matter anymore. Come April, what matters is this team, this group of players, this group of fans, and the name across our chests. This season is about making sure history remembers us as we wish to be remembered. This season is about adding to our legacy. And I can't wait, Dodger fans. Trevor Bauer gets $102 million for three years from the Dodgers per source. He has opt-outs after each of the first two years. $40 million <laughs> in 2021. $45 million in 2022. Trevor, I need a loan. He'll be the highest paid player in MLB history in 21. Then again in 22. A good job by the agents of uh, Trevor Bauer. So Mark had given them a little dap as well. And, and why not? As we bring him back inside. This is why I'm ticked off. I can't stand Bauer. I hope he gets lit up by every team in the NL West. And the, I mean, I've basically been on hold since 7 o'clock last night. I got the news. We think we're coming off of breaking news. I'm running upstairs to shower, get my stuff together. I'm, I'm up till 3.30 in the morning last night, refreshing glitter all day today. I was lazy to go to the gym because I'm waiting for him to announce that he's coming to the Mets only to find out he goes to the Dodgers. A million. I can't even count how many times I refreshed that stupid thing waiting for this guy who I didn't even want to begin with. Well, I think that they have enough talent right now to, to win the division in the NL East. And, you know, it's always about who you're uh, competing against, obviously, not only uh, within your division, but within the National League to get to the World Series. They have a little ways to go uh, to catch, I think, the Dodgers now that uh, Bauer has signed in you know, terms of uh, chasing that World Series appearance and World Series title that you're, that uh, Steve Cohen, Sandy Olsen are trying to, to, to get. But their pitching right now is is strong enough. I still would like to see them see if they could get a little bit more depth until Syndergaard comes back. And maybe that's a Taiwan Walker or Jake Odorizzi or somebody along those lines. But they also have the, the, the room to go out and get a center fielder if they want with Jackie Bradley Jr. They could add a relief pitcher. There's some things that they could do uh, to, to be better. And I think for me, as much as I like Bauer as a pitcher, I think there would have been some issues in New York if he struggled out of the gate. And so, uh, you know, I think with, with this, time will tell. Um, but if you don't want to be in New York, I think it's better to turn the page and, and see if they can improve the, in some other areas for the Mets. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Saturday, February the 6th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Well, normally, I don't do a show on Super Bowl weekend. Not that I'm a big Super Bowl guy, Super Bowl party guy. Never was like that. I just figured, you know what? It's kind of a sports American national holiday, and getting guests is tough because people are around trying to do their, their thing. And I just think the focus was never on because this is like the last real off season of baseball before you get into the real, hey, pitchers and catchers are here. And it looks like they're going to be here. That There's no delay in the season. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. But you can't not come on the air. And, and part of me wanted to try to get on yesterday, but I was preparing and thinking and reading and, and wanted to see a lot of the postmortem that came out on what was a wild and wacky 48 hours. And if you're complaining about the outcome, I get it as a Mets fan if you're complaining about the outcome of Trevor Bauer going to the Dodgers. But if you didn't have fun, if you didn't start to feel the energy that a baseball season could bring, because to me, this is like, this was really the start. Like this was really, hey, the Mets are are in a place where they're going to be muscling up with the big boys. And, and that's where I'll start because I think a lot of writers and fans may have read at least the Steve Cohen portion, maybe not the financial portion of that book, Black Edge, which was about uh, insider trading and Cohen was involved. And there's a story in that book, Black Edge, about how Steve Cohen wants this big mansion out in Connecticut. And, and he basically does anything in his power to get this this mansion, anything. You know, the, uh, his competitor that was trying to buy it pleaded with him, says, my wife wants it. Once Cohen wanted something, he set his sights on it, he got it. You heard the stories about the art and everything that's come out there. And, and that's all fine and dandy. And when you have money and, and, and money is a dollar more is all that matters, you can you could win a lot of those, maybe all of those. In the, but in the sports world, that's not always the case. And... Building a team is hard, winning is hard, and let's not forget the historic task at hand that Sandy Alderson, Cohen, and company have. New ownership November 1st, I'm going to keep repeating this, baseball operations or president of the organization, Sandy Alderson, then becomes de facto GM, backs out, hires a GM, fires a GM, new GM, back in, it's a very strange situation. You're trying to compete and win with a roster that has some good bones while building the infrastructure and the culture and the analytics department and all the things that come with being a sustainable winner, like the team they lost out to Bauer in. So this idea that the Mets, when Cohen took over on November 1st, where the Mets' future was paved like a yellow brick road, I don't know where that came from. A lot of media nonsense, maybe fans mismanaged expectations, but that's just not reality in sports. An owner can't change how hard it is to win, and an owner can't change how difficult the task is at hand. The good news is, is if you there's a story in The Athletic, and I think Mark Currig was one of the writers, there's probably a couple of others in that piece, where they were doing a lot of polling about different things, the commissioner, ownership, teams winning. And one theme in the article was, uh, you know, basically how 
invigorated agents were by the fact that the that Cohen came in and and has this passion to win and really seems to care about the product that he owns. They weren't so sure the other 29 guys right now liked the product they own, cared about the product they own, or cared very much about winning. Maybe for a good portion of them, sports ownership has become an albatross, and I could see that. It's a very expensive, complicated, it's a hard job, and it's a great medallion to have, and yeah, there's a lot of money, especially when you sell out. Tons of money. Wild, more money than you could wildly imagine if you bought it many, many years ago, and now you sell out now. Probably better than most investments. But while you own it, it's, 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 it could be a hassle. And it's not as much profitability as you think. And nobody becomes rich by owning the team until after they sell it. They're already rich when they buy it. Their, their primary business was not the sports world. Um, so that's a real positive thing. And I know that that sounds like runner-up first loser talk. But you couldn't expect everything to happen overnight. Was Bauer my crown jewel move this offseason? Absolutely. I said this for a while. I said this back all the way when it started. That's the guy. Uh, he was the easy pass way towards in the short term, bridging the gap and competing much more with the Dodgers. The Mets would have had four pitchers that are in the top 15 of all of baseball since 2015. DeGrom, Bauer, Stroman, Carrasco. And guess what? They wouldn't have been able, they wouldn't have had to really relied on Syndergaard. That was the crazy part. You could have waited for Syndergaard. Bauer, since 2018, is top six in baseball. Again, I'm using fan graphs and win replacement and all that stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. You guys don't like him. You guys want to, you know, do what you, you want to do about diminishing him, which I think is crazy. Because this is the first big loss of 2021. This is the first ninth inning gut punch. No doubt. Not George Springer. Not Jared Porter. Who cares about Mickey Calloway? I mean, really? We'll get to that maybe in a little bit. Got to see how much time we got left. You know, that was what originally I was going to kind of do something as we bridge the gap here between pitchers and catchers and whatever was happening in free agency. But obviously Trevor Bauer is a little more important. But this is the first big loss. And if you're going to go and, and trash Bauer, uh, I, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to diminish what he's done. Uh, Ben Reeder of uh, Sports Illustrated wrote an article, Ben Ryder, I'm sorry, Ben Ryder of Sports Illustrated wrote an article in 2019 that outlined Bauer as a person. It's actually very good. I had it queued up because I was going to read it, and then this obviously, if he had signed, this monologue would have went a little different. And it's called Trevor Bauer's More Concerned with Being Right Than Being Liked. He's the ultimate self-made star, an average if that athlete who leveraged the sharp baseball intellect and obsession with data into a Cy Young candidacy. He knows a whole lot more than the rest of us, so why does he act like he wants us to despise him? A lot there about Bauer as a person, but that says it all. I mean, here's a guy that, is he a little dopey sometimes on social media? Ah, Yeah, I guess, but he strives to win. He strives to be better. He strives to maximize his talent. And maybe he's got this chip on his shoulder because, and he doesn't want you to like him because he's pissed that when he was a kid and maybe all this stuff about the training methods and how he wanted to be a baseball player and his obsession with it came across as dorky and he was made fun of and maybe he doesn't have the best body and he doesn't look and feel like an athlete. He certainly doesn't act like that. Remember one thing, you have to, it, it's a club. 
And I remember there was a, a, a minor league player, smart guy. I'm not going to give you his name, but I talked to him, oh, this is well over a decade ago. And he was somebody I talked to at length about the Tony Bernazard situation in the minor leagues. He and another guy. But he was smart. He was into things that were outside of baseball. And he knew he had to find other ways to make money because he wasn't sure how his career was going to go. And he was looked at as maybe being too intellectual to be successful. So remember, when you get outside, and it's changing, when you get outside the box in baseball, you, you, you people start to judge you. And then you become an outcast. It's no different than high school. No different at all. It is patently absurd that this guy is disliked because of some stupid back and forth on social media. I mean, the real high school children on the media, some of the articles, specifically some of the stuff that Ken David off of the Post has written over the last couple of weeks, has been embarrassing. It's been embarrassing. I'd be embarrassed to put my name on this. He sounds like a he sounds like a high school kid. He does. His agent Rachel Luba taking a lot of trash online because she's attractive. And you know what? I saw that meme that came out there about all these women in sports and how great they are. And then they put her in the middle and say, well, not you. And I'm saying, well, you can't be for progress, but only the progress you want. And you can't be for progress unless they look a certain way. Because you are in, 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 in that statement, you yourself are committing the same crime or the same fallacy that the people that you dislike do. So it tells you it's really what it's what, what it's about. It's about the club. It's about the club. So put that aside. Keep in mind one thing. The Mets aren't the Dodgers yet. The Mets lost this thing out by a hair. They offered a huge contract of three years, average annual value of $35 million. First two years, $40 million. Would have been the highest paid player in all of baseball. He still is. He got a few more million from the Dodgers. More than DeGrom, more than anything. They were going to blow up their entire budget for him. They they made a pitch. They were in it. They are in L.A. They aren't the weather. They aren't the lifestyle. They are not the Dodgers in terms of analytics or trading methods. They're going to try to be. They're not there yet. The Mets are a promise and a sell story. That's it. And, and, and that's good right now, but it's not enough. Are players intrigued? Sure. Agents absolutely love it. But some people are going to need to see the story can be real. I'm not saying they're the Knicks, who are, or at this point are, are, are so many resets that you can't take them seriously until you see some real, sustained, tangible results. Um, but there's still a, a promise, and players don't want promises. Bauer was clear. He said location didn't matter. I never believed him. I said that all along. I thought that the L.A. situation was a problem. Uh, he said he wanted a team that he can you know, get along with the pitching coach and, and do his training methods. He said he wanted a team that was ready to win. And are the Mets ready to win? I, I think, but they're not as ready as the Dodgers. Even though you, you, know, you want to you wanna diminish the shortened season championship, fine. Dodgers have won a division eight years in a row. Uh, they're going to be a perennial contender. They have money. They have infrastructure. They're as good as those late 90s Yankees in terms of people wanting to be there. Maybe they don't have the championships, but they're as greenlit towards the World Series as you can be in sports, in baseball. 
They're like the Red Sox in the heyday, the Lakers, the Heat, the Patriots, the old 49ers back, you know, in the 80s, early 90s. That's what they are. That's a tough team to beat. First L, Steve Cohen took it on the chin. Sandy Alderson took it on the chin. That doesn't mean it's forever. Not all hope is lost. That doesn't mean 2021 is over. The Mets are more now today in the muck with teams at the top uh, 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 than, than they may have been at the top of it. You got teams like Atlanta and Washington and L.A., obviously, San Diego, St. Louis. Mets are in there with them. Now with Bauer, I would have put them more towards L.A. Maybe not better, but I would have pointed them more towards there than towards the middle or the back half of that. But it is what it is. What do they do next? We'll get to that after the break, but probably more component-driven and modest. That doesn't mean they can't win. So was it frustrating that you had to wait two days? Was it frustrating how you saw all that Met merchandise on his social media site? Did he leak that out by accident? Did he do it on purpose where um, he wanted to create buzz? Good for him. If you're mad about how this went down, then maybe social media is not for you. Because you got to handle your emotions better. It stinks. Believe me. I was upset when I saw it. I was surprised. I thought once I saw the Mets make that offer on Thursday night, and I did have some concerns that it wasn't accepted right away, but I also knew the size of it and the opt-outs and the language could get complex. So I chalked that up to that. But he won in L.A., and he basically said to the Dodgers, you know, this is what the Mets are. I'm ready to go. Give me your best and final. And they gave him a better deal. And the, and the real estate and the structure of that team were too much to overcome. The real estate was probably too much to overcome in a normal situation where all things were even. The Mets had to be so much better. And there was no scenario where they were going to be better like that. It had to come down to how badly did he want L.A. And the Dodgers had to basically step back and drop the ball on the money. It's not like he's making a tremendous... I mean, look... We make $5 million more, $10 million more. It's a tremendous amount of money. But in the scope of who he is and the scope of his career, and I think he'll be very good going forward, he's going to make more money than $10 million difference between the two years and the opt-out and everything. As far as the media reaction, guys, it's typical. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not reading the playbook, you're not understanding the playbook, either you're new to the show, you don't want to hear it, you're not paying attention, or you're in denial. Before he signs, there's all the hand-wringing about the culture, the social media. How can the Mets do this? They can't do this. After, how do the Mets not sign him? DeGrom is old. The Padres are better. The Dodgers are invincible. The feminist outrage went away. It's amazing. It was quiet. I didn't see anything. And guess what? You see the article by Joel Sherman. Well, the Dodgers locker room is so much better to absorb this kind of guy. Because of Jared Porter and Mickey Calloway? Pete Alonso, yeah, does a little social media. I mean, the worst thing he did is use the LF uh, GM. I mean, the, oh my God, LF GM, because, you know, I can't say the word. I want to keep this a family program, but big deal. Jeff McNeil seems like a good guy. Lindor, everybody loves him. He's got a great smile, right? Want to be a dentist. J.D. Davis, hard worker. James McCann seems like a a blue-collar baseball guy. Brandon Nimmo, great guy. Dom Smith, great guy. Michael Conforto, great guy, seems like it. Not really. Most of these guys are not really on social media. DeGrom, great guy. Thor is harmless, goofy but harmless. 
Carrasco seems like, you know, we don't know enough about him. Stroman, everyone loves his, you know, flair. Trevor May likes Minecraft. That's so bad. I mean, what's so bad? I mean, how can this guy, how is Bauer going to be a problem in the Mets clubhouse? I mean, if there's ever been a fabricated, factured, immature statement, it's that. It tells you that some of these media types don't know people. Because I don't think they spend enough time in the real world. That's my my problem. Too much time in clubhouses, too much time at home by themselves, too much time in front of a computer screen, not enough time interacting in the real world or interacting with normal people that, that could challenge these, these thoughts. You still have to play the game. The Dodgers were very close to not winning this past year. Yeah, Atlanta's tough. I think Washington's going to be tough. The NL East is going to be tough. We'll see what the Phillies do. San Diego's a lot better. St. Louis is is always going to be in the mix. They've they've had this. They've built this consistent. You know, it may be like insurance, the National League version of of of, of homeowners insurance or car insurance. It's reliable. The Mets are in there with them. The Mets have their issues. We'll get to that. Now the rotation's a little bit more of a question mark. I still worry about the bullpen. We don't know if there's going to be a DH. There's probably not going to be a DH if you want to go by where things are today. And that means that they probably need to go more component-driven. I don't think you're going to have any... There's really no big splashes to have unless they're going to make a deal. And, uh, you know, there's 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 still a good team that I think we're going to have a fun summer with. Media funerals are just that. When they put their little post-mortem funeral on the Mets, they're media funerals. They're no different than media championships. They mean nothing. You, I don't know if you have any media championships on your wall... I know there's not going to be one at City Field or Dodger Stadium. Media demands, media proclamations, they mean nothing. They're the same as the guy or woman at your office that makes silly sports statements. They count the same as your uncle or your cousin at the holiday talking sports. It's an opinion. Everyone has one. I do too. That's why you're listening to this. Some have better and more well-reasoned ones. Less agenda-driven ones. That's why you're here. That's why I do this. And hopefully you're smart enough to see through the nonsense. Don't listen to it. It's garbage. Put it out there. You're in the New York area. The snow and the plows are coming in a couple of days again. Put it out there. Let it get plowed away. Let's move on to the 2021 baseball season. Let's see what's left. Where do the Mets go next? We'll talk about that more right after this. Uh, Mets really weren't on Bauer for much of the offseason. They did change course in that. We've covered that ground before. So going over the last 24 hours... Uh, there was word that it was getting hot and heavier with the Mets and Bauer uh, yesterday afternoon. In fact, I-, I was told, and I believe Jim was too, we had sources saying that it was like kind of done with the Mets and Bauer. This is why you get two sources in this business. Thank goodness we didn't go with that. Uh, but there was stuff going on. The Mets had high hopes that they could get it done. Uh, and then it didn't really move. They were waiting to hear last night. They were waiting to hear today. There was a report. They said a deadline. Uh, that report was not accurate. They did not set a deadline. They were just kind of like, I don't know if Sandy was squeezing a stress ball or what, but they were waiting. And then finally they get word uh, that once Bauer and his production team had finished their Dodger video, uh, the Mets were told that uh, they were out and, and Bauer was going to the Dodgers. The offers are obviously comparable financially. They were both offering uh, the one-year deal, essentially, that Bauer wanted. Uh, Bauer got that one-year deal with the Dodgers because what that really means is one year of team control. He can go be a free agent if he chooses uh, after this season. Uh, so he can say that he fulfilled that thing he'd been saying for years. Listen, they still had the highest bid. Listen, I, I, they they went 
uh, a little conservative, I thought, with George Springer. I thought they could have been more aggressive there and, and ended up with George, and, and so they didn't. And I do think that you know that some things happened from that point on where you started to get a different feel to Andy's point. They started to jump a little bit more into the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes. And so for them to be the highest bidder, I think it's not insignificant at all. So overall, you know, 110 million for, for you know, it's a, again, aggressive. Uh, I, I never would have guessed even uh, last night when I was hearing the numbers that he would have had a $40 million salary in 2021, 45 million in 2022. That's unbelievable, the numbers that are, they're at. But I think that the Mets put their best foot forward on this one. It just, for me, seemed like it was more about ended up being location. Look, they did everything they could. There's nothing more they could do. It seems like Bauer wanted to go to L.A. and he kind of got his wish and he got the money that he probably wanted to get. So for me, this is more about, okay, where, where does this leave the Mets long term? Because that's where I think maybe... Maybe Sandy in the front office lost that a little bit because they were obviously think thinking short-term with Bauer, and that's okay. But now I think it's more long-term, and that's where they should be. And I think right now it puts them in a really good spot. They can go out. They can extend guys like Lindor and Conforto. They can, if they want to re-sign Syndergaard and Stroman after this year, they're going to have the money to do that. They're not going to have $45 million tied up next year in Trevor Bauer. And look, would, I, would you rather have Noah Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman in your starting rotation rather next year? rather than a Trevor Bauer? Yeah, I would. All right, we're back. I thought the baseball night in New York guys, Martino, Duquette, and Anthony Record did a nice job breaking down, as you heard coming into this segment after the break. They did a nice job breaking down what exactly is going on with uh, the Mets and the, and the negotiations. And maybe it shows you exactly what you wanted is happening. The Mets have money. They can be flexible. And remember the word opportunistic. That's a word that Sandy's been using a lot and that Jared Porter's been using a lot when he was here. It was used quite a bit. And I, I think that's what it sounded like they were with Bauer. They were opportunistic. They tried to jump in when they saw a market developed, probably because they saw L.A. as where he wanted to go. I mean, people hear things. They know things. Nobody's stupid. Just because it's not out in the media doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I think Bauer even said, or his agent said, that when you see the video they're going to put out about the process, I remember J.J. Redick did something like that a few years ago. J.J. Uh, Redick, the guard, uh, when he was going from, uh, I guess, the Clippers to the Sixers, he did something about his free agency. It was very interesting to see how... It played out. I'd be curious to see how Bauer does this. But where do the Mets go? Enough about Bauer. Where do the Mets go now? And everybody says, I'm Jackie Bradley Jr., Jackie Bradley Jr. Well, I've always been lukewarm on Jackie Bradley Jr. I understand Boris's demands for a multi-year deal. I don't think he's going to get it. I, I see the fan graphs numbers because of his defense, and he's not a horrible offensive player. He's got some pop, but he's not, you know, he's not a league average offensive player, and he's probably going to be a frustrating offensive player where he wants up to, up to $20 million a year. There is some metrics that indicate that that's not a crazy idea. I don't think he's going to get it. I think he's a guy that's going to have to do something shorter term, maybe a couple of years, uh, maybe even a one-year deal with this current market. But without the certainty of the DH, I just don't see where he fits in with the Mets. Brandon Nemo is fine in center field if you position him correctly. He's a superior hitter in every way. And if you look at some of the advanced metrics, 
uh, it's not that much different in terms of win replacements shares uh, between the two. Just one is more offensive, one is more defensive. You could easily get a right-handed caddy like a Jake Marisnik to play defense and against a tough lefty if you want to sit Nimmo. You could do that. I know I keep hearing Albert Amora. I mean, I, I just don't see where that's anything great. But okay, you're going to probably have to play Dom Smith in left field. That's where this is going without a DH. That's a whole nother issue. But So I don't know where Jackie Bradley Jr. fits. I certainly wouldn't. I saw people say, well, the Mets want to spend $40 million. They could do this, 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 and this. Well, they didn't say they want to spend $40 million. They said they would spend it on this player in this short-term scenario. So don't just assume now the Mets are going to spend $40 million bucks for next year. I don't think they are. They also have to take into consideration, which would have been more complex with Bauer, even with the short-term opt-outs, with their own guys, the Grom's opt-outs coming up. You have Conforto. You have Lindor. Stroman and Syndergaard are free agents next year. So if Bauer signed, assuming he didn't opt out the first two years, you were probably going to lose one of those, maybe both, depending on where it went. So what do you think will happen? What do I think will happen? Uh, I do think they they need to get some right-handed bench depth. And the 40-man roster is full, but I'm sure they can make some uh, moves. I, I still don't think Heredia is a great backup right-handed hitter, but maybe there's something that they see that Guillermo uh, Heredia has that I, I don't see, so I'll I'll do that. I, I mentioned Marisnik. I know Albert Amora. I like Marisnik. I think Marisnik would be a great guy to bring back. That's me. As far as the pitching situation, I know that Odorizzi is a name that seems to be the next tier down. Doesn't sound like they're interested in him. Maybe there's more to that than we know in terms of health, who they like. Jeremy Hefner's the pitching coach. He may he he probably knows this guy a little bit. Maybe there's something there that they don't like, or maybe he's asking for a, a level of of years and dollars that they're not comfortable going with him. Again, knowing they have their own guys that they may want to sign. There's repercussions. Bauer is was a short-term elite option. You don't blow up all your long-term uh, payroll flexibility for just anybody. Mets have some depth. They made the move for Jordan Yamamoto uh, from Miami, a guy that hasn't had a lot of success but has some interesting uh, aspects of his repertoire, spin rate, things like that. They've got Kilome, who they got in the Estrubal Cabrera deal. They've got Gazelman as, a, as, as some kind of uh, pitching depth. We know about Peterson and Lucchese, Sam McWilliams. I don't know if he's going to be a starter or reliever. Probably reliever he's there. You got the kids from Toronto. I think that they may be more relievers, Reed Foley and Diaz, but we'll see. They have uh, some veterans like an Eikhoff, some minor league veterans like Harold Gonzalez, who had some interesting numbers in Binghamton a couple of years ago. So they have a lot of guys that we don't know how they're going to play out. Nobody that excites you. Some have potential like Yamamoto and and the Toronto kids. But we don't know. And if you go the Taiwan Walker to Heron Paxton route, you know, you, you got to pick the young arm with upside that you think has the best chance of actually pitching. And I think Paxton is certainly a guy that historically is always going to be hurt. I heard Rich Hill's name. That's fine. Rich Hill's going to give you 15, maybe 20 starts. And maybe that's okay because he'll give you really good 15 to 20 starts. And he probably won't go more than twice around the order, but it'll be really good for five, six innings. And if you like your bullpen, that's enough. Uh, but he's an injury risk. Uh, you know, the same thing, uh, uh, you know, with a lot of the, the the pitchers that you see that are in that value bin. Now, the name that came up and why, and, and people were a little angry, I think, on Twitter at me, 
But the reason why the guy uh, that I, I brought him up that I thought would be interesting, if he was healthy, and I know there was a workout that the Mets were in attendance, and it sounds like they have some interest, is Jake Arrieta. Now, Jake Arrieta hasn't been good for a couple of years. But neither has Corey Kluber, neither has some of the guys that got contracts out there. You know, Garrett Richards got a big contract. He hasn't pitched well in five years. But that's an okay contract. He's a veteran. He's pitched in big games. I think he's a guy that could pitch with potentially less stuff and still win. Uh, You know, he knows the division. He knows the league. And, you know, I I just think that that's the kind of pitcher you want to bring in. I think Julio Tehran's interesting because for so many years he pitched for Atlanta and he always seemed to be just reliable. He gave you innings. He would give you good starts, but he give you when he was off, he was bad. So you'd have to be ready for those stinkers, it always seemed like. And the Mets always seemed to hit him well, so maybe I'm giving a, a Mets perspective. But, you know, he pitched pretty fairly decently, if not really well, for some bad Braves teams and for a long time. Out of all the guys left on the scrap heap, that guy intrigues me the most. So does Taiwan Walker, but he's no given Taiwan Walker. And I think they're in a position now because you're relying on Peterson and Lucchese. And I've heard some good things about Lucchese. And everybody keeps talking Syndergaard, but I don't know when he's going to be back. I don't care what Cressy Sports Management says. You know, you could look great without a shirt on, throwing on a video on the sidelines. You could do that. It doesn't mean anything. We don't know how he's going to react to his first year back from Tommy John surgery. We don't know. And to rely on that and assume you're getting the same Syndergaard that you saw in, in, in maybe not the one that was in 2016, but the one in 2019, uh, I, I don't, I can't say that. So I think you look at a veteran like Arietta, provided that it's it's not a crazy contract. Now, all these guys are getting 10, 11 million bucks. I'm assuming that's what they're going to, what Arietta is going to want. That's where the Corey Kluber and the Richards and the contracts like that kind of screw things up. Lester got five million though. Maybe he's more like John Lester. Who knows what the market? It, it all again. These all depends on markets for players. It looks like Kluber's market was a little bit more flush. Maybe that's why it went up. And the Yankees are were willing to overpay there. So that's why I said. Now I wasn't at the workout. I don't know anybody that was at the workout. Sounds like it went well. Who knows? I know you're looking at the numbers the last couple of years, but the Mets need to know that they have a veteran they could go to that could that. And and, he, and he's going to have bad outings. If you go to his game log from last year, it wasn't bad every time out. It was pitching in a tough division. Remember, last year's numbers are skewed. You're pitching against the AL East and the NL East all the time. And, you know, those are tough divisions with offense, especially with the DH. I'm not expecting them to go out and bring a guy in that's going to p- pitch game one of, the, of a postseason series. You're DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco. Those are your guys right now. You got Peterson and Lucchese as your back-end guys. And then you got Syndergaard coming back. Who knows how he sneaks in. And maybe you have to, if it's not good enough, maybe you have to go out and get yourself a a, a really good mid-to-top-of-the-rotation pitcher during the season. A lot, of, a lot of questions that we don't have answers for. Other than that, you know what? You try to be opportunistic with the bullpen. That's the word you have to keep in mind right now, opportunistic. By the way, Rick Barcelo is still out there. If you want a veteran, <laughs> I know you're going to. Does a, um, you know, who's out there that has potential that will come to spring training without a roster invite and try to make the team? Just keep going through those guys for the bullpen, for the rotation. 
there is going to be, spring training is essentially going to be here. There's not going to be a delay. That ship has sailed. Find out and remember the word opportunistic because that's what they're going to do. I like that one other name that came up that as a backup, I don't think it's going to help you in center field, but if you want to hedge your bets, and I and I thought about him earlier in the offseason, but things have been so fluid with, with how the Mets have been going with the roster because you weren't sure exactly what big fish they were going after because they, they were in on everybody, was Marwin Gonzalez. And Marwin Gonzalez in the Houston organization has pop. Uh, he's a he's a, uh, a, a, a switch hitter, can hit uh, left-handed pitching, plays pretty much every position except for catcher, uh, not so much center field, but he could be a hedger bet at third base if you don't like J.D. Davis or things are going bad with J.D. Davis. He could play the middle infield. He could play first. He could play a corner. Uh, and he's a guy that has played every day. Now, I don't know if he wants to come as a backup and play with the Mets, but if you have that kind of versatility you're going to get at-bats. You may not get 500 at-bats, but I think you could get 250 to 300 because you could play pretty much anywhere. And you're going to need, especially against left-handed. The Mets have a lot of left-handed bats. That Not that you want to sit them against left-handers, but you may want to balance that lineup out a, lot, a little bit. And with 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 the ability, without a DH, having a guy that could come off the bench and be that kind of flexible, because you're going to have to double switch and you're going to have to hit for your relievers, and God forbid if your relievers get knocked out early, we're going to start to see, uh, your starters get knocked out early, you're going to start to see relievers hitting again, like we saw a couple of years ago under Callaway. Um, so I think that's the word. I think that's where you need to put your mind at. Opportunistic, not sexy. I don't see Jackie Bradley Jr. coming here without a DH situation. I don't see the Mets wanting to sit Dom or Brandon Nimmo for Jackie Bradley Jr. You might as well just bring in a defensive caddy and look at what kind of opportunistic issues there are on the bullpen and in starting rotation. But I think they need a veteran that they could count on, that they know is going to be healthy and knows how to pitch. And that's why I brought up Jake Arrieta. All right, let's take a quick break. Baseball wants well, the administration in power wants baseball to be delayed. There was controversy with Mickey Calloway, that and more as we start to get to the back half of the show right after this. Mets fans love David Wright. Anthony DeComo, author of the book The Captain, David Wright's memoir, joined the Talking Mets podcast and answered my question about his thoughts on the legacy of the former Mets captain. Well, I think he's also a player that you can't judge solely on what he did on the field uh, because he meant so much to the franchise. He, uh, both from a leadership capacity, he was obviously named the fourth captain in franchise history, um, but just the way that he represented the team, continues to represent the team, you know, he meant more than just your typical, not, not that there's ever a typical seven-time All-Star, but he meant more than your typical seven-time All-Star. So, yes, I think there is certainly disappointment that he couldn't replicate those Hall of Fame caliber years into his 30s and be that guy and ultimately make it to Cooperstown uh, because he was that good at the peak of his prime. Uh, But I think when you look back at his career on balance, still the best position player in Mets history. Um, You know, one of the better players that we've seen here in New York in a long, long time. And you take the fact that he was that Hall of Fame caliber player, at least for a while, you package it together for everything that I just said in terms of what he did for the franchise, what he did to legitimize. I mean, he made this a Mets town for a while there in the the mid-2000s, and that takes some doing. 
So package it all together, package it with the leadership, the fact that he was the captain, the fact that when you think New York Mets, even today, a couple years after he played his final game, you still think David Wright. He's still one of the more prominent names that pops immediately into your head. Uh, you know, I, I think you can't really put a measure on that in terms of its impactfulness. So, yeah, it, it was a successful career by any stretch, I think it's fair to say. Listen to this and more at www.talkingmetspodcast.com. All right, we're back. Um, so originally I was going to do a short as the week went on, and I was going to address some of the issues with what came out about Mickey Calloway, and that's so far now in the back burner that I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. I thought it was ridiculous that we were because he's not with the team anymore, and the allegations that came out and the photos that came out and the stories that came out were not just a Mets issue. It is a baseball or multiple teams issue. Here's what I'll say, and I'll get to that, and I'll get to the baseball off, you know, Major League Baseball offering the shortened season, and then the Biden administration seems like they're poking their nose into the whole situation. Um, Mickey Calloway is not a Mets problem. The issue you have in baseball is baseball for so long, and I don't know if it's because they have that antitrust exemption, or it's probably more where it's just a lot of little boys who are adults playing a little boys game, but are adults, the old saying have lived in this bubble where the real world doesn't matter. The real world around them doesn't matter. And although they're a big multi-billion dollar corporation, they somehow don't see that or believe that the things that multi-billion dollar corporations have to do to protect their stakeholders. Major League Baseball has been behind the eight ball all the time. On the field, off the field, fan engagement, diversity, if you go back pre-integration. They're never ahead of the curve. You've had to have somebody come in and smash a two-by-four across their head to get them forward. This is a league that up until about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, maybe a little bit less, was using a a, a coin flip to determine home field advantage. This is a league that could not uh, just understand the concept of home field advantage in the World Series because they had to book hotels. That's Bud Selig. That's a true story. Look it up. Uh, They struggle with fan engagement. They like to do blackouts on people. Let's 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 have less of our product out there. The NBA could throw it to everybody. I could I could buy any NBA game no matter where I am and watch it. But baseball, we're still going to protect the car dealership in Iowa because, you know, they're not going to want to buy any kind of uh, you know, advertising on a Reds game, let's say, or whatever, a Cubs game because of uh, you know, MLB AM. You know, come on. I mean, really. Um, so HR 101 is what's been going on in baseball. The Porter thing was more private, and 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 it was about reporting it. And, and there's some idea that maybe – I don't really know how anybody would know when you shoot a one-on-one text message. But if the story – and if you didn't read the athletic story, you go out and read it, and it's all pseudonyms for the women. If the story about how well-known Callaway's inappropriate or creepy behavior was and nobody did anything about it or talked to him – and it sounds like the Mets did on another incident – Shame on those teams, but this is HR 101, and I understand whether you're in a small company, big company, mid-sized company, nobody wants to feel, nobody wants to go to HR and report people because regardless of whether they say there's no retribution and you can't, it's illegal and it's wrong, once somebody's been put in a bad situation, you're always going to have a 
negative feel for that person. So I understand that. But all baseball has to do is go out there. For, you know, you want to do the training and spring training and all that stuff. That's fine. Everybody has to do diversity and sensitivity training. That's basic. You have to do it in New York State. It's the law. Um, create, and I know each team has their own HR department, but if you don't trust that the teams, because they're going to have, you want consistency. Set up your own little department. You know, you don't, you don't, they have all these people running around doing nothing probably in the, in the MLB office. Believe me, I don't think anybody's sweating a 15 hour day in some of these departments and say, look, this is the hotline. It's private and confidential. These are our team that's there to not only educate the teams, but to handle these kind of situations. Report it. You'll remain anonymous and, and we'll investigate and we'll get you an answer. And I promise you, if you feel that you know, you're not comfortable in a clubhouse, man, woman, whatever, whatever the situation is, we're going to address it. And that's it. And then guess what? This goes away. This goes away. Now, you're still going to have incidents, and what's going to happen is you're going to start to have nanny incidents where there's things that people are going to roll their eyes and go, really? You're offended by that? Well, here's where that's going to stop because the media is out of the clubhouse, and they ain't coming back. And tell you what, guys, mark that one down. Clubhouse access is over. You'll be allowed down in a field. You'll be allowed down in the dugout. They will zoom you the rest of the time. They'll eventually allow you back down on the field. Not 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 soon, and maybe not this year, or at least late this year. They're gone. They don't want them in the clubhouse. Trust me on this. I know this for a fact. The players don't want them in there either. They like talking to certain people, and they understand it's part of the gig. They are gone. Capital G. They created that. And also, the new wave coming in, younger Wokish, progressive, looking for a non-baseball story. You can't trust them. So they disguise themselves as sports people because they want to get into journalism, but they're really not there for the game. They're there to change the world. You don't need those kind of people in the clubhouse. Because they're going to find, they're going to find something. No matter how static you are, how sanitized you are, they're going to find something. Because that's what they're there for. That's what their papers want. The whole New York Daily News is a young, progressive, woke paper now. Go look at the journalists they hired. They hired, they, it was all ageism. They got rid of any veteran over there and they brought in young people of a certain political background, certain type of person, and that's what they want. And that's fine. That's okay. It's reverse discrimination, but that's, so be it. I'm not defending what Mickey Calloway did, but I will say this. Okay, he got he's getting his due process. I've heard he's fired, he's gone. It's very unlikely that he's going to come back from this. But this is an MLB issue. They made it a Mets issue and they tied it to Bauer and they tied it to Cohen and they tied it to Cohen's personal uh, business. But you know, it's it's not. The players have to smarten up, the managers, the front office, they, they, they there's you have so much opportunity on your personal time to to meet people and do whatever the hell you want to do outside of the baseball bubble. Writers are not like people you're going to meet. They're there to write. They're there to report. They're part of the corporation, so to speak. They're too close for you to get involved in this nonsense. they got to start learning about that. They're not at the club. And the sooner they put that through their brains, the less they'll have their issues. And they're throwing careers away over stuff that i got to tell you, if you're going to throw it away over this, then you should have found another career. I mean, this is a golden opportunity, and you're throwing away over what, I don't know what the end game is. 
other than boredom. That's what I think. There's labor laws in this town. You know, there's, there's actually labor laws in this country. I mean, the reason they can't fire him, you can't fire somebody because of the athletic. He's denied it, whether, you know, there's a, probably a small percentage chance that, it's, that, that, it's, that, that he's going to come out of this, but he's entitled to the investigation. You know, anybody can write anything now and say, well, he needs to be fired. Well, no, that's not the way the world works. The athletic doesn't run, the media doesn't run anything. They got to they gotta get it through their head. They don't run anything. They cause trouble and they report. They don't make, you know, they don't make policy. I know they want to make policy and they want to be HR. They want to be the arbiter of everything. Every day they arbiter and they have a big gavel, a proverbial gavel. You're good, you're not. This is what you, you know, screw off. That's why a show like this is around. There's demand and I'm not beholden to anybody. And I'm going to try to keep it that way. I mean, that that's my feeling. To make this more than what it is with the Mets, it's Mets are right there with MLB. It's an MLB situation. Players got to smarten up, and MLB, as always, has to say, how do we control this? And make a statement. This is the hotline. This is what you can do. No different than any other company. I mean, I'm sure those in the audience have heard this on your jobs. This is not rocket science. You don't need a committee of a 1,000 people to figure this out. Now, on the other thing that happened, the shortened season and all that other stuff, look, if you think that delaying the season, I had no problem with the plan to delay the season, by the way. 154 games, uh, give them another month. I liked it because the DH and expanded playoffs were involved, and you're starting to move towards the the DH, which I need. You know, we've talked about that. We've had a show about that. And then to me, the expanded playoffs... Cutting the eight games and then creating a wild card pseudo tournament is better than spending the last week of the season hoping that the Cubs lose to the Reds so that your team can make the the Mets can make the playoffs. Like make them play each other. NBA's got this playing thing now. Like make the teams that are competing for those final spots play each other. You can't reseed everything or reschedule everything if you have a. 162 games schedule out, but you can lessen the season and then add those games, and you're going to make the money that you lost. Not the teams that are out, but there's also the pool where all the teams play it. So it's not like everybody's going to get snaked here on this. So I was okay with all of that. Now, do I think it's necessary for any kind of health and safety issues? I don't know about you, but I'm driving around here in New York. Ain't nobody staying home. Maybe the schools are, and it's certainly leaving people off the road, but general people, there's traffic. And I'm on the road 50 miles one way, 50 miles the other way on a fairly consistent basis. So I'm seeing multiple boroughs, multiple parts of the city. It's not a 10-minute drive. Um, I do understand that uh, there's this vaccine situation out there. There is not a planet or a situation where baseball can justify delaying their season, rushing getting their players vaccinated, who we don't know if they want the vaccine or they need it, and get ahead of the line and come away looking good. You can't do that. There's no, I don't know who thinks that they can get vaccinated, all these players between now and May 1st. And if that happens, and there are going to, because they're going to be people that are not going to be able to, for a variety of reasons, get in front of it. That's just a PR nightmare. Get, stay away from it. You can't ask people that are out there doing essential work, risking their health for, making a living and keeping this country going to sit back while baseball players get vaccinated. They have to go out there and risk just like everybody else. 
think the risk is low for them. I think the risk is low for a lot of people, more than you think. But some it's not. So, you know, there's no world where that vaccine should even be in play. You and I know, I don't care what your politics is, this whole May 1st, 100 days, and all this stuff you're hearing, it's all a symbolism in politics. Biden would love for after 100 days, and right around May 1st, that's where it is. To, oh, look, baseball's back. Look at all these people we've vaccinated. Look at the cases and rates and all that. We're heading in the right direction. It's a great approval rating goes through the roof. That's what it's about. Any president would do that. That's what politicians are. I don't care what party you are. So don't don't make this about me dumping on a party. I'm not dumping on a party. I'm telling you how politics work. It's common sense. I'm not telling you anything that you're smart enough in the audience you know. So that's what the, the Biden administration is about. It has nothing to do with the vaccine because there's no way they're going to vaccinate all these players. And if they do, that is going to be, ooh, where do you see the media on that one? And rightfully so. Players should be in the muck like every other citizen based on their health conditions and whatever they fall under. Now, if you want to call them more of a risk or they're going to be more of a risk to spread it because they're traveling, I, I guess. But I think baseball should stay out of that. And by the way, for a while, you know, the union doesn't want to play ball in the DH. You think they're going to force or be able to force? They, they, you can't force them to take the vaccine. So what happens when, similar to the public, when half the people maybe don't take it? What are you going to do? You're going to tell them you can't play? So then you shut the league down. So much to this. That meets the eye. So, I mean, that was going to be like a short that I was going to do. Turns out I gave you a little less than 15 minutes on it. It probably didn't even deserve this much. And I, I kind of thought about chucking it, but it's news. And Bauer, thankfully, overshadowed it. And uh, and that's a good thing. Because the excitement of the Bauer decision, if you want to call it, and the fact that we're so close to pitchers and catchers, even though I, I I'm not happy that the DH is probably off the table because I think it's going to make for a lesser product. And I think you're going to see some really weird things happen and, and, and short benches and things like that and, and all sorts of things. Baseball's here, and we're moving forward, and things are starting to thaw out a little bit here in this country, and I think we're headed in the right direction. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll see fans in the stands and hopefully a normal as normal baseball season because no sports league, the NFL, I guess, was pretty normal, actually. But no sports league has been really normal since last March. Also remember, giving them those extra days to reschedule, I mean, you're still going to have to do some health and safety protocols. You're still going to have to have rainouts. I mean, all of a sudden, the weather's not going to change. You need, you need flexibility. And I guess the 154-game season doesn't really allow that. And... Um, and that was a concern, too. If you're going to start May 1st, you probably have to reduce that to 140-something games, like 1995, because you want to give yourself the flexibility of the cancellations. And I know that the, the owners aren't going, to, aren't going to want to play the pay the players out at 100% on that. And and obviously, then that will even bastardize. I know the players' points. Bastardizing their stats. This Follow the money trail. And unfortunately, I think when things start to get back to normal and the baseball season ends... And we'll be looking forward to the following season in the hot stove. Now the CBA and all that stuff comes up. And that's going to overshadow. So we're we're unfortunately going to be in for a couple of years of uncertainty and unsettledness in baseball. And it stinks because the Mets have this new great owner with all this money. But that's life. There's nothing you can do about it. 
All right, let's take a quick break. We'll wrap up your listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more. And final thoughts right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, final thoughts, wrapping up here on the Talking Mets podcast. Appreciate everybody joining in, and, and so much for taking Super Bowl weekend off, right? Uh, some quick comments, and I'm going to go to the Apple iTunes reviews, so give you some recent comments and uh, some good, maybe not some, you know, not so good ones too. So anyway, Pennsylvania Mets fan, longtime Mets fan, enjoy the show and thoughtful discussion. Ignore the haters. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I mean, I think that's what uh, we all say here. I've always wanted to kind of give back to the the very loyal audience, and I've been thinking about, and it's so much trademark issues. I don't even know if I can, you know, do T-shirts of the logo of the show because I I think there's trademarks in there. I I, I it's so complicated. But I was thinking, is there like a t-shirt slogan something corny fun that we can get going and maybe give some away i know you can make t-shirts of just about anything maybe not with a logo but with like a saying and and i'm trying to think so if you got any ideas maybe something about you know no fake outrage just baseball talk something like that i don't know i gotta think about that maybe it's a bad idea and if it's a bad idea you guys can email me mike silvat talkamitspodcast.com no g mike silvat talkamitspodcast.com that's like kind of like this slogan um, GMFU13, Mike, lifelong Mets fan. I enjoy many Mets podcasts, but yours stands up as podcasts about the Mets for real Mets fans. Always in depth and audio quality is good. Thank you. I've worked hard on that. Uh, good luck, and I hope for many more Mets podcasts. Well, yes, there will be. And then, um, this is from Gman37. I don't know if I've spoken about him yet, but I'll give him a plug again if I did. I download and listen to Talking Mets Weekly. Mike Silva gives his views on Mets moves, players, management, and ownership each week and does not hold back. Keep me informed about what's going on with Mets and baseball overall. Great analysis and insights from Mike Silva and his frequent baseball insider guests. Does complain about MLB moves and social media, but it's part of his shtick. Highly recommend this podcast for Mets fans. Yeah, that's fair. Is it a shtick? Yeah, I guess I kind of put it in there. And uh, that's who I am. That's kind of something things. And and I don't want to overdo that, but yeah. I, I that's fair. That's very fair. And these are all five star reviews. Now I got a one star review. Um, out of town Mets fan. Uh, and he and he sends me this review on my birthday, mind you. So there you go. <laughs> he sends it on my birthday. Not that that matters. The show is very bad. I force myself to listen since I don't live in New York anymore and have a hard time getting New York Mets content. But it isn't worth it. Nothing but opinions from a host who knows less about baseball and Mets history than I do. Oh, that's fair. No actual reporting. Lots of off-topic political rants. I don't know where that came from, to be honest. Uh, From someone too young to be such bitter old dude. Really a bad example for young people. Looking for their options to get my New York Mets fix. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, If you have to force yourself to listen, you should. Uh, I don't think there's any bitterness here. I think there's just commentary about what I see. I'm not angry about anything. Listen, I, I don't expect the media to change. I don't expect baseball to get ahead of the curve. I pointed out, 
if you want the same sanitized bot level comments, don't come here. I'm telling you what I think. I, I think it's unfair comment about Mets history. I, I do know Mets history pretty well. I've lived through a lot of it. Maybe not things pre-mid-80s, but I know a little bit. I remember where I was when Mike Piazza was acquired. I remember 9-11 and the Piazza home run. I, I was around for a few pennants. Um, okay. I mean, that to me is the one part of it that I could say is a little unfair. So, uh, double Matt. Uh, Mike, your take on diversity is spot on. Thank you for your unbiased perspective. I listen religiously and mostly agree with you. Not always, but that's to be expected. Well, Dublin Met, that's fine. I mean, I don't expect everybody to agree, uh, you know, with everything. So, um, and then again, I don't know if I gave this guy a plug. Uh, Brad's San Diego Met fan. If I did, and I'm repeating, I, I couldn't remember. Mike does an outstanding job on his, this podcast. He brings his own wisdom, life experience, knowledge of the Mets, media, baseball, and overall perspectives into this pod. I really appreciate how hard he tries to create balance, which is unusual in New York podcast. I really enjoy his monologues. I do wish he would have more Hallmark guests. Keep trying there, Brad. I mean, it's not always easy, as he's an excellent interviewer and listener. I really don't agree with all his perspectives, but I appreciate his explanations for his point of view. If you're a Mets fan, especially out of the New York market like me, you will look forward to this podcast, Five Stars for Sure. That's a great review, and I have seen that there is a lot of -of out-of-town people that appreciate what I do here. And I hope there's in-town people too, but a lot of -of out-of-town people. So got to think about ways to thank you guys more uh, because, again, if you're being forced to listen to this, uh, I hope that you're doing this. Well, what did you do? What kind of crime did you commit that you're being forced to to listen to this? Because that's a lot of torture. I mean, there's got to be, I mean, that's got to be hard time you're doing if you're being forced to listen to this. Uh, but if you're not being forced to listen to this and you enjoy this, whether you agree or disagree, and I think that's the important thing. You don't have to listen to a podcast where you agree with everything. And if you agree with everything that I say, then maybe there's something wrong with you, right? There's got to be something I say that you're like, ah, maybe it's Jake Arietta. I've seen some people that are loyal listeners that get mad about the Jake Arietta comment. Maybe it's something else, so... Anyway, so enjoy your Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys are... I know you're not allowed to have parties, but I don't think anybody who listens to this really cares about that. Uh, So enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Don't drink too much. And this was the first big L of the Mets 2021 season, losing out on Trevor Bauer. And it hurt. Don't lie. You know, it hurt. But there's a lot of good that we see. The Mets are in this thing. The Mets are going for it. They're going to continue to go for it. They're going to continue to put themselves in the mix, but they're going to be responsible and they're going to be opportunistic. And I think you should feel really good of the kind of team that they are now, the kind of owner owner you have. And I know they're building the front office and, and there probably remains to be seen how good they are, but I think they're headed in the right direction. And this will be a fun season and a fun team. And I don't think that you should take this as, well, I've seen some people say, oh, this is like 2005, a building block. No, don't, don't, don't give up on winning. That's the one thing you could take away from this podcast. We don't give up on winning. We'll wave the white flag when we know the white flag needs to be waved. We'll know when there's a rebuild scenario and when it's appropriate. It has not been appropriate since 2015, nor will I support it until I see other evidence that there's time for that. And I don't think that's going to be in the next few years. So take a lot of positive. It's an L. Put it in the past. Move forward. And away you go. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening. Of course, you can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be back with another podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.